Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Hey, welcome to the very first Sunday, one more time, very first Sunday of 2020. Happy New Year. Pray God's blessings have been abundant on you thus far. And today, you know, we're just going to have a very, very good time. And today uh, we're going to talk about the cure. Okay. Now, um, um, uh, you know, I don't recommend many books. I'm I'm not an avid reader and I haven't, uh, you know, i you know, I just wasn't born a reader. It was not natural and it wasn't easy for me. But a few years ago, I, I read a book that followed a kind of a sci-fi, apocalyptic kind of storyline. I don't know how many of you like that. I kind of gravitate towards sci-fi, you know, apocalyptic kind of stuff. I, I, I like that kind of genre. But uh, some of you may have read the book. And, and I'm, uh, uh, as I said, it's, I'm, I'm not a natural reader. And it was one of those thick books, you know, like War and Peace. And it was quite intimidating. And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, will I ever get finished with this thing? But, uh, you know, it was recommended, and so, uh, you know, I started it and, and, and it, and it held my interest. And, you know, it was about a visitor living in the future that, uh, you know, developed a, uh, a cure for a plague that had been unleashed uh, uh, in, a, in a past timeline. And uh, this visitor had only a short window of time to deliver this formula that would, uh, you know, uh, cure the plague and, and, and save billions of lives. And, and when the visitor showed up, uh, you know, people thought he was crazy. I mean, he, he, he went to government leaders, he went to national leaders, uh, you know, he went to religious leaders, and they all just thought he was crazy. And it was, uh, you know, it, 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 it was, you know, intriguing the way he did. And, and in fact, uh, this, this terrorist group that had released this, this plague, uh, they knew who he was uh, in, in that timeline. And so they were trying to kill him. You can imagine the plot. And uh, at, any, at any rate, uh, uh, some members of, 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 of the government uh, were, you know, were, you know, infiltrated by this terrorist group. But the visitor just kept on the move and he kept on, you know, until he got a few of the citizens to try. They, they had been impacted by this plague and so they tried this cure and it worked and they were so intrigued by it. And so uh, this, the window was closing and the visitor, you know, uh, so boom, he said, listen, uh, I'm going to give you the cure formula, the formula, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll, you know, make sure that it's enough for everybody, and I just want you to get it out to everybody. And so, boom, he's gone. And these citizens, they, they call themselves the family. If you happen to read the book, uh, you, it get called uh, the, the family. And so, the family, uh, the leaders of this group that had gotten the cure, they started saying, "Well, listen, we can charge for this. You know, I mean, we can make a lot of money with this." And some of them said, no, we don't want to charge because, you know, people can't afford it. And others said, well, well, what we'll do is we'll just keep it away from the undesirables. You know, we don't want everybody. We don't want every people group to get the cure. You know, we, we, we want to keep it away because this is a part of us being able to help cleanse, you know. And so, uh, you know, but, the, but, you know, while the leaders were making up all kinds of rules, the leaders of the family, all kinds of rules as to who did and did not deserve this cure for this plague, uh, some of the people just started going out in the streets and, and, and you know, giving it out. And, and uh, it had already killed millions on every continent. And, and uh, uh, at, 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 at some point, uh, you know, anyone that was willing to try it, they would give it to them free. 
Well, it was really a great book, had a great ending, and I don't recommend many books, but, but, I, but I, I will, in 2020, I hope you read this book. It's called The Bible. Okay. Uh, listen, it is good. It's based on a true story. Okay. And uh, don't let it intimidate you, okay, uh, with its thickness or, you know, go ahead, you know. And if you don't have a copy, I will get you one, okay? All righty? And encourage you to read, okay? And uh, again, Happy New Year. All right. Before we begin our message today, uh, I want to share with you a few quotes that uh, I went back over at the first of this year uh, that have meant something to me in, in days gone by. Uh, this one is by Oswald Chambers, uh, and, and uh, he said it around the turn of the uh, 20th century. The light which shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. Oswald Chambers. This one is by David Livingstone. Christ alone can save the world, but Christ cannot save the world alone. Another one. Why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it once? Oswald J. Smith. Another one, the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. David Livingstone again, sympathy is no substitute for action. Only this generation can reach this generation. Oh, I like that one, don't you? Aren't these inspirational? There is no second chance to harvest a ripe crop. <laughs> well, I like that one. There's no second chance to harvest a ripe crop. <laughs> Carl Henry said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Amy Carmichael, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. John Wesley, not how much of my money will I give to God, but how much of God's money will I keep for myself. Oswald J. Smith again, you cannot take it with you, but you can send it ahead. <laughs> I like that. Pat Morley said this, if the Great Commission is true, our plans are not too big. They are too small. Wow. Well, uh, you can find a list of those on ezsermons.com, which are my sermons. We, that's us. You know, we are Golden Triangle Church on the Rock, but you may know us by many other names. Uh, we're also key resources. We're an international nonprofit church management and consulting group helping to provide funding and staffing for orphanages, medical clinics, feeding centers, schools, and country after country after country. Uh, we also are uh, churchonline.tv. We also are, you may know us by, um, by um, Easy Sermons. You know, uh, uh, I think uh, 3,300 uh, people, about, about eight, well, actually about 800 people per week go to easysermons.com to get sermons so that they can preach all over the world. I think this past month only 1,600 of those were in the United States, and the rest of them were spread all around the world, the bulk being in Russia and Sweden, Switzerland, uh, you know, uh, and so this message is there as well if you would like to go and get these notes but, uh, and get these quotes. Uh, I found it interesting looking at some statistics. I'm going to tell you this, okay? Uh, I find it very interesting. You know, uh, th th there are some websites that refer to other websites. Isn't it interesting? Well... And statistics, they give us statistics on what, you know, how many people go and what they look at and everything on that line. And, you know, uh, but, uh, and, and, and where they referred from, what site refers them 
to the site where our sermons, ezsermons.com, where the sermons are housed, ezsermons.com. The largest referral group referring people to my sermons, which was only 268 out of the 3,300 this month, was a porn site. Yeah, you heard it right. Isn't that interesting? That 268 people were referred by the World Wide Web who visited that porn site were referred to our sermon site. Somebody managing that porn site is one people to get saved, I tell you. Some, you know, God has people everywhere, okay? And he's sending them uh, to, to get a good sermon on getting saved. Isn't that cool? I love that. Oh, my goodness. I want to, you know. Yeah, come on now. Jesus is good. You think 3 o'clock in the morning you surfing some porn site and looking at porn, all of a sudden, Pastor Ron pops up and said, this sermon's, this sermon's for you. I love it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Lord, give us more porn referrals, God. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they... They really got on to Jesus, some Pharisees and Sadducees and all these, because the, the, the Jesus hung around sinners. You know, what better place to get people saved than around a bunch of sinners? And if you haven't realized it yet, porn is sin, okay? Let's just be clear about that one. All right. <laughs> There's no shades of gray there. All right. Another book I haven't read. <laughs> All right, I've got to get out. Lewis, I may have to get you up here to help me to get out of this hole. All right. Okay, on to the message. <laughs> you know, life is filled with discoveries that were supposed to come across as, you know, a little more poetic. Life was filled with discoveries. And we all, we all know that everything we know was at one time a discovery to us. Isn't that amazing? And everything we don't know now that we're going to know in the future will at some point become a discovery for us. We will discover something. You know, to discover something means to uncover it. It means, you know, not, not that it wasn't there, but that, but, but that we uncover it. And all of a sudden we see it and we realize that, wow, look, look, we've discovered something. Like Christopher Columbus, you know, Christopher Columbus did not invent America or the Americas. Y'all know that, right? Uh, nor did he create them any more than Benjamin Franklin invented or created electricity or, or Sir Isaac Newton. You know, he didn't create, he didn't invent gravity. These are discoveries like Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus is discovered with, with uh, and, and, and credited rather, with discovering this wonderful land that, that now is, is now home to the United States of America, right? among others. But uh, this brings up an important point. You know, some people say that Christopher Columbus discovered America. But to the people who were already living here, he didn't discover anything. Not for them. They already knew that this bountiful, wonderful land of lakes and rivers and forests and animals and the bountiful goodness of this land, they already knew it existed. 
It had existed generation after generation for ages. They had been enjoying something that all of a sudden came on the world scene in the, in, 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 in the late 1400s as the greatest discovery of that period. Discovery to who? You know, the Europeans imagined that, 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 that the people living here were ignorant, that the people living here were, were poor, that the people living here, you know, were uneducated. But who was really poor and ignorant and uneducated? <laughs> it was those that didn't know this existed. Because the people who were living here were enjoying its goodness. They had been enjoying it. For ages, the Native American Indians were not those who didn't know. They were those who knew and were enjoying. This stresses an important point. The point is that others may be experiencing bountiful blessings that we are yet to discover. Other people might today be experiencing bountiful blessings that you and I are yet to discover. And perhaps you are enjoying something wonderful that people around you are yet to discover. We cannot discount the existence of wonderful things, of awesome things, especially the things of God. We cannot discount what God is willing and wants to do in life after life just because we have not experienced it, just because you know, we have not made the discovery yet. Do you know Jesus was saving souls long before 1967 whenever I discovered that he would save me? When it became a reality in my life, all of a sudden, you know, I imagined that it was something that was brand new. You know, many people had been trying to tell me about this. You know, and, and surely, surely God has some discoveries for us. That he wants us to begin to experience things in our lives that other people are experiencing already. As I said earlier, God is good. And when things get bad, God gets good. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Goodness, healing, increase, peace, joy, patience, mercy, forgiveness. These are all calling cards that God gives people. God loves first, God loves most, and God loves always. And the Bible says the reason why we love God is because he first loved us. God is willing to give us some first. He is willing to give you a discovery. He is willing to, to show you things that you have not yet seen. The Bible tells us that heaven will be that way, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of any man those things which God has prepared for those who love him. But he is in the business of revealing them to his children. God wants to reveal his goodness to you. You know, at times whenever life serves us, 
a situation or a circumstance and it seems as though that maybe a door is closing or it seems as though that maybe we're, we're, we're sinking down into a hole or, 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 or that we're, we're not going to have enough to make this happen. God has a discovery for you that he's bigger than the situation that you're facing, that he's greater than your problems, that, that, that he is not afraid of your sin that he is not taken by surprise by something you did. You know, Jonah, when he heard from God, clearly he heard from God, go to Nineveh. And yet when he heard from God, he went in the opposite direction. But yet God was already prepared for what Jonah was going to do. You will never catch God unprepared for what you're going to do. You'll never catch God unprepared for what is happening in your life. The Bible says in Jonah's case that God had prepared a great fish. This fish was not punishment for Jonah's rebellion. This fish was not punishment for Jonah's disobedience. This fish was not meant to harm Jonah. It was Jonah's salvation. It was prepared by God. God didn't just, you know, wrinkle his nose or, or, or snap his fingers or, or shazam his, his, his God ring with Jesus and the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, boom, a fish appeared. God prepared this fish. It's the same thing God did whenever Abraham was called by God to take Isaac up on Mount Moriah, right there now in, in, where, where Jerusalem sits, right on Mount Moriah, just to north where, where we might imagine uh, Mount Calvary. Uh, uh, and, and there, as Abraham walked up with his son carrying the wood and, and got to the top of that hill. Abraham is 135 years old and Isaac is 35 years old, give or take a year or two. And, and there on the top of that mountain, what Abraham had said to Isaac is that God will provide himself a sacrifice. And there when he was ready to slay his son and sacrifice him to God obediently... A voice from heaven said, do not lay your hand upon this child. And there, as he looked down the hill a little ways, there was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. That was the sacrifice that God had prepared. And so he went down and got the ram and he brought him up and he sacrificed him to God there. Now, this is a wonderful picture of God already having been prepared. On that mountain, on Mount Moriah, when Abraham found that ram and sacrificed that ram to God, the Bible says that Abraham called that place Jehovah-Jireh. Now, we have come to commonly understand Jehovah-Jireh as a phrase that, 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 that we say, God will provide. Well, that is true. But the literal meaning of Jehovah-Jireh means this. And you can read it in your, in your Bible. It will, it will say this, Jehovah-Jireh, which means, In the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. What shall be seen? Provision shall be seen. Provision is seen in the mountain of the Lord. What does that mean? 
Well, in our world today, it means that when you are where God wants you to be, when you are in the mountain, when you are where God wants you to be on your journey with him, provision will be there. He will not point where he will not provide. He told Abraham, walk north. Abraham walked for three days. And then the Lord said, go up on this mountain. He went up on that mountain. If Abraham would have missed it, mountain, if he had have, you know, said, no, I think I'll go farther. Or if he'd have said, no, I'm, I'm tired. I'm only going two days but when he found himself in the mountain of the Lord when he found himself at the right place at the right time with God there was provision God had prepared it just like the fish for Jonah God had prepared that fish was salvation that ram was salvation and God is in the business of preparing salvation for every person at the appointed time in the appointed place God is prepared. He's prepared for your salvation. He's prepared not only to save your soul from the eternity in hell, but he's also prepared to save you from the hell of this life. God called Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. Jonah didn't become a prophet because he obeyed God. Jonah was a prophet. He was a prophet that disobeyed God. He was a child of God. He was a servant of God that disobeyed God. And yet God provided for him, just like he did for King David. When God called King David, God knew not only what David had done, but what David would do. And yet God called him anyway and provided for him anyway. And in Psalms 51, David declares that God, Almighty God, God restored to him the joy of his salvation. He didn't restore to him his salvation. He restored to him the joy of his salvation. You know? He asked him, please, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me because I have sinned and against you I've sinned. That's what Jonah had done. Jonah had sinned against God. He was a child of God. He had sinned against God. You know, you can be born again today and yet as a child of God still have sin in your life. And in 2020, if we're going to get the year right, we may as well get the week right. We may as well get the very first right. And today is a day that God is prepared to help you and deliver you and to save you from your sin. If you are lost he will help you to discover Jesus as Lord and Savior. But if you are saved and you are away from God, if you're not close to God, then today is a day of rededication for you. Today is a day when God is prepared to save you even from your own poor decisions. Your last worst decision does not have to be the end of your story. You see, God does not wish to punish you. If God wanted to punish you, there's no hope. Okay? You would already be ashes. God is interested in saving you and helping you. But perhaps you are yet to discover the fact that he wants to hear from you. That he wants, even in your sin, he wants you to talk to him. Just like he did Jonah. When Jonah had rebelled against him, yet in the belly of the fish, Jonah lifted up his voice to God. Even in David's sin, David cried out to God. God wants to hear you. Even if you're not in some dark, 
you know, horrible sin, yet if you are just away from God, maybe, maybe your, your, your life needs to be refreshed and renewed. Maybe you're, you're, you're dragging yourself through your Christian experience. God is prepared. And there's a discovery, better than the discovery of the Americas. Better than the discovery of electricity. Better than the discovery of gravity or the laws of gravity. We all discovered gravity kind of early. But, but there's a discovery for you. You may never have realized how wonderful God is and how much he loves you and how he wants to help you and, and pull you out and how he's been walking beside you and when you could walk no farther, how he has picked you up and carried you and, and, and how he's just waiting on you to give him the chance to show you something that you have not yet seen. God is good. This morning, I want to share with you three of the greatest discoveries a person can make. The first one is going to come out of 1 John, the fifth chapter. The first great discovery that a person can make is salvation. The salvation that comes from knowing Christ. Today, if you have not yet discovered salvation, if you are watching and listening and you have not yet discovered salvation, then today is your day because that is the greatest discovery that any person can make. In 1 John 5 and verse 20, John the Apostle writes, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true and in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God. This is eternal life. The Greek word for the word know there means to learn. It means to basically come to know. Not that the knowledge wasn't there, but we've come to know something that was there. It, 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 it means to make a discovery. Today, I encourage each one of you to make a discovery that Almighty God sent His Son to die on the cross of Calvary to save you from sin. Almighty God looked back upon sin and realized that through Christ, He could save everyone from Adam all the way to the last person. He could save every soul by sending his son as a sacrifice on Mount Calvary. And if you have not discovered salvation, then let me encourage you today to open up your heart. Three things are needed for salvation. Number one, you need to recognize your need for a Savior. We can't go over this enough. It needs to be firsthand. It needs to be quick that you can pull this out and share it with someone else. It doesn't need to be religious and it doesn't need to be caged in terminologies that, 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 are, that are old and cold and no one knows what they mean. This is very simple. You are lost. You need to be saved. The first thing you need to realize is that you are lost. How do I know I'm lost? <laughs> well, it's very simple. When you get to heaven's gates and Jesus asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? What are you going to say? 
I was good. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You know? Well, let me tell you what the Bible has to say about it. The Bible says that every person has sinned, Romans 3.23. And even if you had not sinned, yet you were born into sin. Every person is lost. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. What we deserve because of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. Well, if I was born into sin, if I was born lost, and what I can expect for my sin is eternal death, but yet there is a free gift of eternal life. How do I get that gift? Romans 10, 13 says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's very simple. Number one, recognize that you are lost and you need a savior. Number two, repent of your sins. That means I'm sorry for what I've done, Lord, that's offended you. If you don't have some, some regret on the inside of you, if all you're doing is trying to get some fire insurance, you know, that's not enough. There needs to be an inner conviction. There needs to be an inner conviction. Where there is no recognition of sin, there is no regret for sin. Where there is no regret for sin, there is no repentance of sin. And where there is no repentance of sin, there is no forgiveness of sin. Does that make sense? Recognize. Repent. And number three, receive Jesus by calling upon him. The greatest discovery a person can make is salvation. I don't know what people will do whenever they close their eyes for the last time on planet earth and have not made this discovery prior to that moment. All of a sudden they will discover. That will be too late. The second greatest discovery any born-again believer can make. If you have been born again, the greatest discovery that you can make is the enjoyment that comes from having a living relationship with Jesus. A relationship. You see, it's all about relationship. God is doing everything he's doing on planet Earth for one reason, and that's to have a relationship with you. That's all God's going to have when he's finished with this planet Earth thing. The only thing he will have left to show for all of his work on planet earth is family. That's the only thing he'll have left to show for it. Relationships. And having a living relationship with Jesus Christ. I got born again when I was 12 years old. I sincerely walked down an aisle and under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and under that, that feeling, that, that gnawing, I knew I had done wrong. I didn't know why I knew. But there I gave my life to Jesus. I prayed and he came into my heart and my life. And things changed. How did I know things changed? Because before then, I didn't feel bad about being bad. And after that, I did. It didn't mean I was good. It just means I felt bad about being bad. <laughs> Nobody told me there was anything else to do. No one told me there was anything beyond salvation. I don't know why no one told me, but that's the way. And I was living like everybody else lived. You know, it was just, it was life. I was saved, but when I would do bad things, and, 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 and I only did one or two, but when I would do bad things, I would feel bad. I would feel conviction. I'd been 18 a whole month, and I got married. 
to this woman. She's older than I am. She was out of high school. I was still in high school. She didn't feel bad about being bad. I felt bad about being bad. She didn't feel bad about the way she treated me at all. <laughs> Years later, she got saved. She discovered salvation. And when she discovered salvation, now she walked down the aisle as a little girl and got some fire insurance. Some preacher scared her into coming down the aisle or go to hell. She said, I don't want to go to hell. I'll go down the aisle. But that was it. Nothing changed in her life. But let me tell you, the day that she came back home, after that missionary had told her about Jesus, something had changed. And I fell under that same conviction of the Holy Spirit. I was convicted for three weeks before I finally realized that I no longer had a problem. I was a problem. And there I recommitted my life to the Lord. And he brought into my life a discovery that he loved me and cared for me. And he was with me all the time. And that I could have a living relationship with him. Begin to grow that relationship. Yes, thank the Lord. Begin to grow that relationship. Let me tell you, it was the best discovery I made since I got saved was that Jesus is alive and he's alive in me and he is willing to have a relationship with me, a walking, talking relationship and help me and walk with me and encourage me and teach me and show me. I, let me tell you, it's, 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 it's the greatest discovery that I ever made since I got born again. Have you discovered a relationship with Jesus Christ? You may be saved, but have you discovered how much he wants to walk and talk with you every day? How you can talk to him about anything, even when you've done wrong, how, you, how, how he still wants to talk to you? He wants to help you fix it. And he will. No reason living under that burden that darkness of conviction, it weighs you down. It makes you sad. It changes your life and everybody sees it and it's, and it's drudgery. And it's, it's just, you know, uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you get your God shot every now and then, but you're just living like no reason. He wants a living, vital, happy, joy-filled, prosperous relationship with you. He will help you grow the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, humility, and self-control. He'll help you grow that fruit in your life. You can do this. It's a great discovery. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Man, if you'll just, if you'll just get on the right track, after you're saved, man, you'll have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. The third great discovery this morning any follower of Jesus can make is the joy. The joy and the fulfillment that comes from leading others to Christ. Boy, there's something wonderful about leading someone to Christ. Whether they're lost and they need to be led to Christ for salvation, or if they're just lost in this world, if they're born again but living in hell, leading those people to see Christ, to discover Christ, 
and his joys, his forgiveness. What a, what a joy, what a fulfillment. Luke 15 verse 10 says, Likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Wow. Well, how would you feel? How would it make you feel if you were plagued with some great problem in life? Like it was in that book I read. And someone you knew owned the cure, but didn't give it to you, didn't share it with you. 2020 can be an awesome year of discovery for you, your family, your friends, if you will dare to let that light shine in your life. This morning, if you've not been born again, today is your day. This morning, if you are born again, but you are not close to God, if, if a living relationship with Him is not vital and critical and ongoing in your life, today you can discover or rediscover those joys. Today, you can make a commitment to God that you are going to be a light in this world, salt of the earth, and lead someone to Christ by your example, by your encouragement. You can do that. You can do that.